Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys because this could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. 
And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code FOODHEALS. Food Heals Podcast, Episode 206. Running a love-based business is really about being of service to people and giving and learning to love people whose intentions aren't the same. A lot of that love comes through letting go of people who aren't right for you. And that's a big part of loving yourself. Our come from needs to be of from love and abundance. And that if we are coming from there, then it, everything else kind of starts to fall into place. You are expert enough. If you have some stories that are entertaining and educational and tactical things that you can impart to somebody to get them to the next step, go for it. So let's get real here, right? It's like the stories that we tell, the work that we're doing is not just inspiring people, but in some cases saving lives. And so this becomes not just about how can I have this like really fun career and how can I feel like I'm being seen and heard, but much more about how can I be of service in a way that's going to have a really big impact on the world. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately. All right, welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody, and this is the second episode in the Food Heals five-part spiritual entrepreneur series. Today's topic is how to run a love-based business and essentially how to earn a living doing something that really lights you up inside. So we're talking to some of our favorite entrepreneurs, movers, and shakers. So if you've been thinking about, talking about, or meditating on your big business vision and your life dream, but you've been holding back or playing small, this series is for you. The spiritual entrepreneur series is brought to you by the Spirit Junkie Masterclass. This is Gabby Bernstein's incredible digital course that teaches you to gain the confidence and business building tools you need to live your highest purpose, make an impact, and earn for the work that you do. So you can take Gabby's free video training series right now at foodhealsnation.com slash Gabby. So today we're deep diving into building a business with New York Times bestselling author Gabby Bernstein, founder of the sisterhood of the tired ass moms, Kelsey Dalzell. We've got copy that pops author and podcaster, Laura Peterson, and we've got the founder of love based business, Michelle PW. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. There's a lot of fear about doing what you love and getting paid for it. And yes, uh, right. Okay. <laughs> so Food Hills Nation, if you're listening to this and you're like, I feel that just like Susie just, you know, articulated, she feels that it is our responsibility to give our gifts to the world, to tell our stories. Gabby, can you talk a little bit about that and why it is not okay to accept money for our gifts? 
it is imperative. It's imperative, right? Yeah. Well, look, you know, if I hadn't, let me give you just as an example. Like if I hadn't accepted a book advance and written the book Spirit Junkie, hundreds of thousands of people would not be sober today because I accepted that this was work I needed to do. I accepted a book advance to do that work. I accepted abundance to get that book out on a book tour. And I made it my mission. And that book, amongst all of my books, I believe have helped people change their lives. But that one in particular has saved lives. It's, you know, I, I see people at every single talk I give, I'd say at least 5%, 10% of the audience will come up to me during the book signing and say, Spirit Junkie got me sober. I'm alive today because of it. So let's Let's get real here, right? It's like the stories that we tell, the work that we're doing is not just inspiring people, but in some cases, saving lives. And I know you guys are doing the same in the work that you're doing. And so when you start to just adjust your focus and give people support and tell your story, you can change someone's life. And so this becomes not just about how can I have this like really fun career and how can I feel like I'm being seen and heard, but much more about how can I be of service in a way that's going to have a really big impact on the world and, and, a, and a world that's suffering and a world that's traumatized and a world that's unwell and a world that needs more transformational teachers and leaders. And if we don't accept the abundance that we deserve for that type of work, then we can't do that type of work. So you have to be unapologetic about your abundance. Oh, I have chills. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really nice feedback loop here on this on this podcast. I like you guys. <laughs> well, you know I'm your spirit junkie soul sister. I'm like, give me more Gabby. Like I am your avatar. Like I am the person that will follow everything avatar. you do. <laughs> oh, so that's adorable. Well, well this is uh, this is something that I personally have struggled with myself in accepting abundance for my talents. I always mm-hmm. I I think there was some sort of programming running through my head. Where if I was good enough, it would just happen. And if it didn't happen, then I wasn't good enough. And I've had a lot of meditations and journalings about that very kind of thought process. And like, mm-hmm. why is that in my head? I want to do what I enjoy. I watched a father work a job that he always said he never liked. And so that kind of threw me to go to my edge and, tell, and say, no, I am going to be brave and I'm going to choose something that I really enjoy. And then when it didn't show up in the way I thought it would, doubted it and thought, well, maybe I'm not meant to do this for mm-hmm. money. Maybe I'm not meant to. Maybe I'm not good enough. Who am I? Yeah. 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 And all of that is always based on the stories that we hear and we experience as children. It's just always the case. You know, it's like we get these stories from our family and our parents and they become ingrained in our being and our and our belief systems. And it's our job to have a quantum shift around those stories because ultimately and inevitably they will become our stories. And then we have to grow into them and accept that they are what we've attracted them because we chose them and we accepted them as our own. And then we have to do our part to change them. And that takes effort and that takes a lot of a lot of work. It's a huge topic I've taken on in my bigger training the Spirit Junkie Masterclass. It's a huge topic of helping people here that heal their financial fears because it's something that holds people back from sharing their gifts and 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 serving in a bigger way. And so there's there's a lot of specific steps to take in claiming your abundance and changing your story, your financial story. And so Gabby, video three of your free training series that can help us change those stories comes out today. It's called the number one way to stand out and make an impact doing what you love. Can you tell us about that? 
This one rocks. I'm going to teach you how to make publicity and marketing fun. So if you have a message that you want to spread, whether it's related to a work-related thing or it's just an empowering message that you believe you want to get behind, I can teach you how to make that publicity and marketing fun and not scary. Then I also will teach the number one way to make an impact doing what you love, as we said. So how to really, really make an impact and create a movement with the message that you feel so moved by. Create a movement. I love that. Yeah. And then the third one is my secret method for really standing out and being heard. Mm, We all need that, right, Suze? We do. We hide behind our microphones, but we want to stand (laughs) up and be heard as well. I love it. All right. So go to foodhealsnation.com slash Gabby to watch video number three, the number one way to stand out and make an impact doing what you love. Thanks, Gabby. Thanks, Gabby. Thanks, guys. And now I'm talking to one of my favorite spirit junkies. You may remember her from episode 160, Kelsey Dalzell. Kelsey's business is the sisterhood of the tired ass moms. Greatest title ever. Welcome, Kelsey. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Yes, you were on episode 160. It was about a year ago. Um, and yeah, we talked about all kinds of things like your spiritual gifts, your beliefs. We talked about how you overcame postpartum depression and anxiety and your beautiful brand. And I know a lot has changed for you in the past year. And I really want to talk about that today. But first, can you just remind Food Heals Nation a little bit about who you are and what you do? I am a medium. I'm a full-time medium now. And I've just always kind of been like the weird psychic kid. I did nails for 17 years, held hands with women, and then had this big epiphany on stage in New York with Gabby Bernstein that um, I just said, I don't know what I what's next. I'm a tired-ass mom. And she said, yeah, there's your thing. Go do it. So, yeah. <laughs> so I have been writing for the last two years. My book is ready to be edited and pitched, and and I'm writing a. I wrote this book, Tired Ass Moms: A Journey from Survival Mode to Thrival Mode, um, and uh, and I'm coaching moms in how to be entrepreneurial, spiritual entrepreneurs now, and uh, yeah, so much stuff going on. That's so exciting. And I'm so happy that you've come so far in such a short amount of time. And we were lucky enough to be at Spirit Junkie Masterclass Level 2 together. And it was just such a wonderful experience. And we carpooled. So we got to spend a lot of time together. And you were just so wonderful. And you were so gifted. (laughs) It was just so cool to watch. And, you know, today's topic, it's about creating a love-based business, which is what you've done. But before we get into the weeds of that and like what's changed for you since Spirit Junkie Masterclass and since the last time you were on the show, I actually have a surprise for you. Uh Uh-oh. I hate surprises. (laughs) What is it? What is it? (laughs) I think you like this one. So I found the clip of when you went up on stage with Gabby and I want to play it for our listeners. Oh, Okay. Oh, God. (laughs) No, it's awesome. Okay, oh, no. here we Emotional go. breakdown. <laughs> One day you did a Facebook Live and I just wrote in on a whim and I'm super shy, but I'm going to be on that stage with you one day. Just telling you. Um, Come on. I re- <laughs> what? Just crawl on up. Just jump on up. Just get on up. Get a little closer up. <laughs> Put it out there. It happens. I might pass out. 
so here's my story. I have three kids. I was suicidal. I worked from home from seven years, and I wanted to kill myself. So I got out. I started my own aesthetic shop, which was my dream. And two years later, I'm fucking tired of it. But I'm teaching meditation. I'm going through my spiritual thing. I'm following you. I want to be you when I grow up. I'm one year younger than you, so I have a year <laughs> to catch up. But I'm writing a book. <laughs> it's in me. I'm writing a book for tired-ass moms. Great. Tired. You got some readers in the house. That is, and that some people is my standing expertise. Up. Yesterday, I was sitting here thinking, how am I going to get where I'm going? What am I going to be? Like, what is my thing? And I thought, that is one thing I have over you, and you're going to read my book when you have your own kids. <laughs> I'd like you to try to go get the Facebook page, Tired Ass Moms, the URL, Tired Ass Moms. The in she just checked it. Can you buy it it's for her right now? It's a brilliant give topic. I'm not kidding. Wait when you sit down. Give her your credit card. She's going to buy you the URL. Just get, my just get it. <laughs> yes. It is happening. You're going to be back here in a year from now, just like Pam Butler, and you're going to say I have a publishing yeah, deal. Tired-ass mom, girl. <laughs> yes! Talk about manifesting. That is so crazy. I was talking to Pam Butler like two days ago because uh -huh. she just launched her book, her, and I'm carrying her book in my studio, and her book is so similar to my book. I was just reading it today, and uh, I shout to her the other day and I said, I'm ready to start the Tired Ass Moms podcast, but moving into Tired Ass Moms, yes. doing kick-ass things because um, I want to interview women that I look up to and I want to move forward into that instead of looking back and, and teaching from where I've been. I'm ready to just, like I'm ready for book two already and I'm ready to, yeah, to interview and to, and to learn from and to grow from all these women that um, are doing all the things that I want to do and just yeah, jump into that. So that's so funny that I forgot that she'd even mentioned Pam getting her book deal in that. Oh, wow. I'm just having this that's massive so aha right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happens in Spirit Junkie Masterclass. And so was that the birth of Tired Ass Moms? Was that the decision point that you said, I'm doing this? Yeah, it was just like, it, like what do you do? And that's what Gabby teaches is take what you know and make that your thing and teach the people. And I didn't even really realize I just wanted to write a book to help moms. And it's just, yeah, it's tired ass moms. Can you tell us about making that leap into doing what you were passionate about and making that your purpose and obviously your profession, your paycheck and all that good stuff? So I, yeah, I, I held hands with women for 17 years and I just kind of fell into development classes, kind of brought me out of my depression and, and, uh, sparked that curiosity in me. And, so I was teaching meditation, took meditation teacher training, did the Spirit Junkie Masterclass, had this big awakening, started writing my book. And I kept renting places to teach meditation classes and workshops and see clients. And I did a lot of phone readings and a lot of like random people would come to my house for readings and I'd go to their houses and it just didn't feel right. And uh, I said to my business partner one day, I feel like, I feel like it's right under my nose. The right place for me is right under my nose. And two days later, she said, uh, the dance school moved out from next door to our aesthetic shop. And I called the landlord and said, I'll take it. So I've opened this studio now <laughs> where it's basically my office. So I can teach my workshops and I can see my clients and, uh, and I do readings usually five days a week. 
And it's, it's like so much fun now. And there's so much money going into the business. It's a brand new business. I have so many business coaches that want to help me and coach me. And it's like, you know, where's your business? And it's really been such a huge confidence booster to see myself being so successful and people coming to me and wanting to coach me, but my business is actually more successful than theirs is. So it's this really weird roundabout way of like, boosting my confidence. And it's like, thank you for seeing that in me though. So I've learned so much about myself. And with today's topic of really running a love-based business, can you tell me what that means to you and how the business brings love back to you every day? Because you're living in your authentic truth, in your passion, all that good stuff. I think that running a love-based business is really about being of service to people and really about uh, and giving and being able to receive. I'm really learning how to receive because I just want to do everything myself. But receiving help is a, is a huge, huge thing. And just being of service to people, really. I was on, I was doing a Facebook Live last night. I used to do Facebook Lives all the time where I pull cards for people and give intuitive messages. And I haven't done it for so long because I've been so busy and I feel like you know, you like having that monetary compensation, right? For what you do when you're professional. And, uh, and I was at home last night and I just thought I'm going to pop on Facebook live and I want to know about what's good in people's life because I'm constantly saying what's good in your life because it's, how are you? Oh, here's my life dump. Right. And so, so it's like, what's good in your life? What's awesome. And yeah. What's, what's good? <laughs> what's good in your life? So, and I just started saying that to people instead of how are you? It's what's good in your life. So I go on this Facebook live and I say, what's good in your life and how can I help you make it better? And I had the most people I've ever had on a Facebook live. You messaged me right in the middle of it and asked me to do this. And I, and I said, and I said to the people that were watching, I said, you guys, like, I just, oh my gosh, my friend just emailed me and wanted me to do her podcast. And I said, when you give, you receive, when you give, you receive, when you give, you receive. So it's all being in a love-based business is all about giving and giving and giving and then learning to receive. So I don't do mediumship for myself. I do it because I can and because it makes people happy to hear from their loved ones. I do intuitive readings, um, not because, you know, I want to be Teresa Caputo. I mean, she's awesome and I love her, but you know, not because it's an ego boost. It's because how can I help people live their best life or get through people Mm -hmm. come to me when they're in crisis, when they're at a crossroads, when they don't know what to do next, that's when you go to an intuitive reader or a medium. So they're at their most vulnerable state. And I think that that you have to hold that in high regard and, and give all the love that you can back to those people. So beautiful. And your gifts that you have are helping people like me who really need to know that there's something else out there that we can connect with our loved ones. So can you talk a little bit about mediumship and what that means? Yeah, basically mediumship, if you don't know, is just uh, my ability to connect with people who've passed. It's really not as complicated as it sounds. As it sounds, so you get like the shadow that's in your peripheral, or you keep finding dimes, or you keep finding feathers, and you think it's a sign, or or you hear a song on the radio that reminds you of your mom or whoever. Um, those are all signs. Those are all signs. When I was a kid, I used to make up stories about people, and I loved to people watch, and I would make up full life stories about people, like you do when you're playing with you know your dolls or whatever. But I love to do that with real people, and I didn't know until I started 
really, really reading people and getting validation that yes, Daffy Duck means something to that person. If, you know, Daffy Duck popped into my head. Right. It's not just something random. It has a meaning. Yeah. Because it comes, it really comes through the part where, where it's your imagination, where your imagination comes from too. Sometimes it feels like you are just making stuff up, but the weirdest little validation, you have to give the client everything you get because the weirdest little thing that makes no sense to you might be the most meaningful validation that you could give them. So it's all about just trusting and having faith, deep, deep faith that there's, that there's more out there. And I believe that, but it took me a while to get there. And I know a lot of people mm-hmm. might be like me and they have an angel and a devil on their shoulder where the angel is being like love and light and everyone's on the other side, happy. And the devil mm-hmm. is like, when you go in the ground, you're in the ground and that's it. And so to people who may be seeking for signs and not know where to turn, like I think when I hear a song or I smell a certain smell that those are messages, just especially for me. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Like, what are some messages that we might be receiving that we can start to be more and more aware of? Absolutely. Dimes are a big one. If people, people find dimes all the time, feathers, um, feathers from angels. Feathers. I always see. Right. It's always, and I mean, healthy skepticism is really important. If you have a new feather duvet and it has a rip in it and there's feathers everywhere, maybe, (laughs) maybe we should be skeptical. If you're driving, my cousin was driving down the highway one day and, um, she could smell my grandpa's tobacco, his, his cigarettes. At that moment, she was thinking, geez, I really need to get a new vehicle. And he was, he was a mechanic and she smelled that waft of cigarette smoke. And she knew that that was him saying, please get a new vehicle. And she bought a new vehicle the next week. But the more you validate those, those signs from your loved ones, the more you'll see them, the more you'll hear them, the more you'll, and if you think it's a sign, I always say yes. It's a sign. If there's there's a robin, if there's a hummingbird, if there's a dragonfly, and you think of your loved one when when you see that, then absolutely take it as a sign. Yes, I agree. And like one of my signs is I'll smell cigar smoke when there's no smoke around. And like normally I don't mm-hmm. like the smell of smoke; it makes me sick. But I'll smell a cigar smoke. There's no smoke around, and I know yeah. that's my dad. And then my signs for my mother are feathers and four leaf mm-hmm. clovers. Whether it could it doesn't mean I found an actual four-leaf clover. It could be in a necklace at a store or something like that. And those signs have a lot of meaning for me. And I know like Gabby taught us um, about the owl and Mm -hmm. that was her sign. And when you ask for signs, they start to show up. That has been like so exciting for me to ask for a sign and then to see it. So it can be anything. It can be, I'm going to ask for this specific flower and you're going to see it everywhere. Or if you think I want this car, you're going to see that car everywhere. It's the same thing, right? Totally. And I always say, give it a time frame too. Cause some people it's like three weeks later, they'll call me and be like, I asked for this sign like a month ago and I haven't got, well, you haven't gotten it. So, (laughs) so that's a no or, you know, whatever meaning you gave to it. But, um, but yeah, give it a specific time frame within two days. I need to see, you know, a rainbow or a feather or whatever it is. But I have a funny story about signs to do with uh, level two masterclass with Gabby. I asked a blue jay if I was meant to go to this because I mean, it was it, it being a mom and, and the money and the time commitment and everything. I needed to see a blue jay. So in Canada, we have the Toronto blue jays is a baseball team. And I asked to see a blue jay if I was meant to go. And I saw 
you know, baseball team stuff everywhere. And it was like, I just saw Blue Jays everywhere. And I was like, that's not the right Blue Jay. But I didn't see an actual Blue Jay when I went for a walk when I went to Kripalu's because I wanted to go anyway. So I just went. I did not go because I didn't see the specific Blue Jay. But I went for a walk on the Kripalu grounds and I came around the corner and there was like 20 Blue Jays in the grass. Wow. And I was like, okay, thanks, spirit. (laughs) But I knew that I needed to be there anyway. So if you ask for the sign and you're not getting it, I mean, don't put all your eggs into the sign basket. If you, if you're following your intuition and you really don't need signs, just do it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Just do it anyway. 100%. I'm with you. I haven't seen a sign for everything I've done. I've just been like, all right, my intuition is telling me to do this. I'm going to do it. And usually it's right. And so since Spirit Junkie level one and two, where we met, you have now, as we heard from the audio clip earlier, you declared the tired ass moms. You now have this blog, you're writing your book, you have a membership site. Tell us what that looks like. What's the membership site? What can people expect when they go to your site? Uh, the membership site, it's going to be a six week class now. Um, but we're going to have, we're doing, like I said, we're doing the podcast. So there's going to be a lot more free content. I'm just ready to, for it to be out there. Absolutely. The more you put out for free, um, the more it'll come back to you. You know, I truly believe that. And your site is beautiful and what you're doing is really great. For all the moms out there listening, like this is really a sisterhood that Kelsey Mm -hmm. has created and it's just so lovely. And if anyone listening is thinking about like, should I do spirit junkie masterclass level one digital? What would you tell them? Like, how did it really help your personal life and your business expand? Jump on it. (laughs) Jump on it. Jump on it. Um, it, it gave me confidence. It gave me a I don't want to sound cheesy, but it gave me like the best business partner ever, which is the universe or source or God or spirit or whatever you want to call it. Um, because when you are working on your own and you feel like totally spinning out and, and, and it's just like, you know, the universe has your back. You, I go back to that book all the time and I go back yeah. to spirit junkie masterclass digital all the time. And I just play like, uh, uh, like with an Oracle deck, like, what do I need to know today? And I'll, I'll click on a, on a module and is exactly what I needed to hear. And somebody just told me a couple of months ago that they downloaded the digital on, um, uh, like the audio onto their phone and they listen to it in the car. So I've been doing that too, which I wish I had known earlier, but <laughs> yeah, I did that too. So I download, so, so the digital has all the videos, but you can download the audio. So I downloaded the audio. I put it on my iTunes and I made a playlist that is now connected to my phone that the phone connects to the car and then I can listen to it. And you can listen to me on module five. <laughs> 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 My favorite module ever is the one with Kelsey. (laughs) And so if anyone listening is thinking that they want to start a love-based business, what advice would you give them? Follow your heart and take the leap. Follow your heart and take take a safe leap. I mean, don't quit your job tomorrow. (laughs) Be smart about it. Be strategic. Be absolutely strategic and sit and meditate and ask for the answers. And and honestly, I mean, don't you don't have to clear your mind if you're not a meditator. Just sit and ask for the intuitive answers and they're always there. You always have your own intuition. You have your spirit guides. You have your, you know, your loved ones. You can always tune into that. And that is, that is, um, that's there for you all the time. And that is the absolute best business advice is going to be your own intuitive business advice. Yeah. It's like, 
You can listen to all the gurus and get hyped up and they will inspire you. But the truth is what you need to do is in your heart. And when you get quiet, all of that will come. My greatest ideas come not only when I sit and try to meditate and I light a candle and I'm like, all right, let's see what happens. It's in the shower. It's when I'm driving. It's when I'm quiet and there's no cell phone going off and bugging me, you know? Yep. The shower is where I literally, I'm just like, Oh my God, someone get a pay. Where's my recorder? Like (laughs) here it is. You got to get out. The one place you can't write it down. You can't use the digital device to record. You're in the shower and you're like, I better remember this. Better remember (laughs) this. Yep. Rinse off fast because you got to get out there and write it down. Yep. The shower is the best. We're on a run. Running is great too. And I always start my run with music or sometimes a podcast, something to listen to. And sometimes I go so deep in my own mind, I have to turn it off and then I'm just running and I'm in like this meditative mode. It's incredible. And I'm not thinking about, oh, my feet are tired or how far have I gone or how fast am I going? I'm like in a meditative zone. It's really cool. Yeah. That's that, that, that amazing runner's high. Yeah. And Kelsey, where can everyone find you online, follow you on Instagram, join your sisterhood tribe, all that. You can find me at KelseyDelzel.com or TiredAssMoms.com and all over social media. I'm Kelsey Delzel. I think on Facebook, I'm Kelsey Delzel Meditation. Amazing. So follow her, join her group. We'll certainly have you back. Go back and listen to her first episode where we really did a much deeper dive into her story because it is truly incredible. Kelsey, thank you so much. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that. Kelsey is so much fun and I love talking to her. And our next spiritual entrepreneur is a good friend of mine. She is a brilliant businesswoman. I always learn so much from her whenever we're together. Laura Peterson. Roll it, Roxy. All right, Laura, thanks for joining me for the spiritual entrepreneur series to give us some pearls of wisdom that I know you have so many of because We're good friends as well as business associates and colleagues. And actually, here's the funny thing. You are coming to Italy with me. (gasps) Yes, I'm so excited. (laughs) I don't know. And the day that this airs, we will be in Italy. So we're pre-recording right now. Yeah, girl. (laughs) (laughs) But when you hear this, we're in Italy. (laughs) Picture us on the Amalfi Coast, just sipping some wine and eating some vegan food. Yes. And we met in, where did we meet? In Mexico on a cruise? (laughs) Yeah, I guess technically in Florida as we were departing to go cruise to Mexico on the podcast cruise. Yes, that was so fun. So we do a lot of great vacations together. And (laughs) it's, I mean, it's fabulous that we have this life where we can do that. And so you Mm. truly are like a badass entrepreneurial friend of mine. So I'd love to ask you some questions to really help our audience understand like what we can do in this life and what we can do with our gifts. Oh, my pleasure. I would love to help any way I can. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So for anyone who doesn't know, just tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I'm Laptop Laura Peterson. So you can find me at Laptop Laura on the social media. (laughs) So that's my little nickname. And my brand is called Copy That Pops. And it started out really just giving great advice around how we can apply psychology to make our writing more effective as entrepreneurs online. Because I have a background in psychology and writing and all that. It's really developed into helping entrepreneurs who are passionate about making a difference and a bigger impact and growing their brand and business to become best-selling authors 
and use a book as a crazy amazing tool to grow everything. So I really focus primarily on the long form content now with books. And I have to give you a shout out because you are such a good copywriter. Oh. She like I'll send her something and she truly makes my copy pop. <laughs> That's the goal. I love it. I know. I love it. One time you sent me something and I reworked it and I sent it over and you're like, Oh my God, thank you so much. And I was like, yeah, I spent 30 minutes and you were like, what? I thought you it spent hours. <laughs> it would have taken me hours personally. I'm so grateful that I can rely on you once in a while to help me. I've also got my amazing show notes writer, Mel. And without the two of you, like my writing, it would take me so much longer to do what you guys can do in a matter of minutes. And I, I just like, I appreciate you guys so much. Yeah. And, and full disclosure, I don't take on copy clients anymore. So that you have to be a very special friend to get that kind of help. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you do take on other types of clients because you yes. do help people become best-selling authors, just like you did. You have two books. Tell us about your book. Yes. I wrote my first one at the end of 2016 and it's called copywriting for podcasters. So I'm a big nerd for writing and a big nerd for podcasting. And I realized that there was nothing out there in the market for that. And really ultimately too, I, I was going to a lot of conferences. It was right before we met and I was just feeling like people weren't taking me as seriously as I thought that they should just because, you know, I really did know my stuff and I put a lot of attention to detail with all my clients, but I wasn't growing at the pace that I wanted to. And so I thought about, you know, what are all these influencers and experts, quote unquote, have in common? And one thing that I saw that they all had was they had a book. They were a published author, whether that was traditionally or self-published, that didn't matter, but they had a book. And then they used that book to get more opportunities to speak on stage and get interviewed on more shows and get more PR and be on live TV and things like that. And I was like, okay, let me start with this lead domino. Let me become a published author and use it as a great tool to just knock down the walls and do all this other great stuff to build my brand and business. So it definitely worked. And in all of 2017, I had so many people coming up to me saying, help me. I want to do that too, that I realized that is a great path that I can really focus on is, you know, I was helping people with writing in all different forms, but let me really focus in on the book side of things. Cause it's such an incredible tool. And then I ended up doing my second book in March of 2018. And that one's called permission to write a brand building book. Cause I found that so many people I was talking with, they were holding themselves back, kind of feeling like I'm not good enough. I'm not expert enough. I'm not ready to be an author. And I don't agree with that. I think that everyone has a story to share. Everyone has knowledge to impart. You don't have to be the PhD expert in a field. You just need to be a few steps ahead of your audience and you're allowed to write a book. And so that's, that book was all about that is giving people permission and just encouraging them to just go for it. <laughs> yes. I love that because the only person that's holding us back is ourselves. Yeah. And we don't need permission anymore from outside sources. We don't have to go on a job interview to create our career anymore. We don't have to audition to be in a YouTube series. We can create all of these things ourselves. We don't need a publisher to say, oh, you're good enough. Your writing is good enough. Your story is good enough because we can self-publish and make such an impact. Tell us about that and how you help people not only write their books, publish their books, and then also make them an Amazon bestseller. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my favorite thing to do. So I've got two ways that, mo that people work with me. I've recently stopped taking private clients 
I love working with people one-on-one, but I just realized that I wanted to help more people. And a better way to do that is to do groups. So I've got a, an implementation business book secrets masterclass, which is jump in and knock out a bestseller. So it helps you write it. So go from no idea to a great outline and then how to block out your time and really make sure that you get your writing done and then how to self-publish it on the eighth most visited website in the world, which is Amazon. (laughs) Yeah. And depending on the source, it's ranked in, in different levels, but I mean, no one can deny that Amazon is absolute beast and people who are looking for solutions on Amazon. So if you don't have a book, you're not being found by a huge segment of people who are searching for help. So I help with self-publishing it on Amazon, how to do timing and pricing and authentic organic marketing tactics, even without a budget for bringing it all together as a perfect storm that you, so you can hit bestseller on Amazon, which is not as hard as you might think. So it's way more accessible than you ever would have thought and really carries a lot of weight, even globally to say that your Amazon bestseller is actually more of a weight to people outside of the United States than to say even New York times bestseller, just because Amazon is all over the place. And New York times is like a location based. It feels more location based to people globally. So yeah, I love doing that in that group. I also have live trainings and jump in and answer Q and A's and all that to really help people. And then if people want even more in depth and to not just write a bestseller, but then say, Hey, let's as a group work together to really leverage it, to grow the brand and business even more Then my inner circle is all around getting your book done. And then, okay, now let's connect you with podcasts and get you more interviews and let's get you prepped to speak on stage and let's get you PR and press and all these things. And so that's like an even more intensive and ongoing for people who really want to just keep on taking it to the next level and work with me closely. And what would you say to someone right now who's like, that all sounds great, but who am I to write a book? Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, I used to feel that way very much so not as much around the books, but around speaking on stages. So I used to have a really big fear of it. I used to be afraid that other people who are speaking on stage would say, why are you up here? Like you're not quote successful enough or quote expert enough or whatever. Like your Facebook following isn't big enough for you to be allowed to speak on stage, that kind of a thing. And in this analogy, I'm tying into people who feel that way about writing because I didn't feel that way with writing, but I definitely felt about speaking. So if you're feeling like that around a book, I'm here to tell you that your goal is not to impress the other quote gurus in your niche or outside of it. Your goal with a book is to help somebody and you can do that even if you're only a couple steps ahead of the person for whom you're writing or for whom you're speaking on stage because in fact, you can actually do a better job than someone who's this super master who's like 50 steps ahead because you're just a couple steps ahead. So you remember what it feels like to not know. You remember what it feels like to go through that exact struggle just a couple of months ago or six months ago or a year ago versus, oh yeah, they didn't, they went through it 10 years ago and we all know the world changes fast. So just because someone is 50 steps ahead doesn't mean they can actually teach you how to get where they are as well as you can teach someone to get to where you are. And that's the next step that they need to get. You are expert enough. If you have some stories that are entertaining and educational and tactical things that you can impart to somebody to get them to the next step, and it's your duty, I believe, to share your knowledge. So go for it. Yeah. It is our duty to share our knowledge. I am 100% with you. And 
you know, for me, I used to think, well, I can't write or talk about healing until I fully healed myself. Mm. And that was a load of BS holding me back from doing what I wanted to do because we're always healing. There's always going to be things that come up. (laughs) Then you'll never be allowed to because like, that's just the human experience. We never get to the ultimate mountain peak. There's always another mountain to climb. Exactly. And so whatever mountain you have climbed, there's someone who needs that knowledge, who needs your journey to inspire them to climb and to get to where you are, whether it's health, whether it's business, it could be anything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm finally giving myself permission to do all the things, but that took Mm -hmm. time. And I understand if um, people feel hesitant, but can you tell us some success stories of people who have come out of the closet and written their books and what impact have they been able to have in their arena, in their niche and what they're trying yeah. to you know, do in the world. Well, one of my favorite success stories to talk about is her name is Saba Ali and you know Saba as well. You got to meet her yeah. in LA in, uh, in December of 2017. She's incredible. And I love to talk about her because- And we went to Vegas together. <laughs> oh yeah, we went to Vegas too. I forgot. Oh my goodness. So- She, when she wrote her first book, Working With Me, she was 20 years old. She was a junior in college. And I know that not everyone listening to your your show is in college. Maybe, you know, most people are completely out of college. But I think that it makes sense to look at that as a story, as a case study that can inspire us all because you're not too inexperienced. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too anything. Look at a college student can do it. So she was 20 years old working with me. She wrote her book in 30 days and hit bestseller on the day that she launched within a couple of hours. She has taken that book and leveraged it to speak on stages around the country. She's been on live television four times and found herself on the cover of her local newspaper. She's growing now an Instagram digital agency. So she's out of college now. It's been about a year and a couple months since, since the book came out. She has grown into her own as an entrepreneur. She's now done with college. She's leveraging the book to be on stages and just catapult her brand like crazy. So if someone who's 20 years old has never written, can do it, so can you. Yeah. I love that. That's a beautiful story. And so before we wrap up, can you just tell us a little bit about how you wake up every day doing what you love, making an impact, earning for it, getting paid for it? And, you know, it wasn't always that way. So can you take us just a little bit through how you made that leap? Yeah, for sure. So I was a teacher first. I, you know, I, I tried to start businesses before I was a teacher, but I just couldn't figure it out. I couldn't make it happen. It was in kind of the early mid 2000s. So the internet wasn't like it is now. I tried stuff. It didn't work. And so I just ran back to what I knew, which was education. And my other huge passion in life is international travel. So I also was like, oh, well, if I become a teacher, that's an easy thing for me because I just love teaching other people what I know. And then I also get a ton of time off to travel. So I taught high school math and psychology for about five years and I traveled the world. I've been to over 40 countries now and I speak Spanish, I speak German and my native English language is English. <laughs> and Although that sentence didn't sound like it was, but it is. <laughs> and after about five years of teaching, although I loved it and I love working with the students, I just realized that that being a teacher in one location was still too much in the box for me. I really wanted to be able to be location independent and be able to work on my laptop from anywhere in the world, laptop Laura. <laughs> and so I took the leap and that was about 
just about seven years ago, I started the first company that I started that worked was a tutoring and test prep company. So I definitely started my first business on something that I already knew. So it was an overlap of skills I already had. So I didn't reinvent the wheel. I already, I went down a path I already knew. And now what I'm doing now are things that I learned and developed along the way and made a pivot and a transition. So you can definitely make a transition as you go, but the most important thing is to start and to move forward and not expect everything to be perfect and aligned. It never will be. You just have to take action to get you there. And remember to keep your eye on the prize. For me, a huge part of that was travel and be able to have time with family and friends and being able to be an entrepreneur where you could service clients online was a huge piece of that puzzle. I love it, Laura. And you truly run a business doing what you love, which this series is brought to you by Gabby Bernstein's Spirit Junkie Masterclass. So Food Heals Nation, if you want to join on Friday, we are going to give you all the details on exactly how you can join Spirit Junkie Digital Masterclass and all of the bonuses we are offering you. And Laura has got an incredible bonus if you join Laura, what are they going to get? How, how can they work with you? Yeah. So if people want to just do a one-off call with me, I very rarely say yes. And when I do, I charge $600 for an hour. So yeah, girl. Girl. <laughs> that's what you've created that, you know, you didn't no. start out that way. So anyone listening that thinks like, oh, I could never charge that what that much you will be able to. Oh, for sure. And it used to give me anxiety to even charge like $50 an hour, but slowly you start building that confidence and you start pitching the price and people say, yes, you're like, Oh, okay. I guess I have to keep raising it. And you are worth it because you have the knowledge and experience that people need for sure. So what I'm offering is a free one hour session. I'm not going to sales pitch you on anything. It's going to be all value content of whatever you need. Exactly. So that could be anything around books or even copy if you want to go down that path. If you're like, hey, I'd rather use it for copy, something like emails or landing pages or Facebook ad copy, whatever. But if you want it around the books and whatever stage you're in, if that's brainstorming and outlining, if it's writing, if it's the self-publishing, if it's figuring out a plan for launching a bestseller, or if you already have a book and you want to talk about how can I leverage it to grow my brand and business even more, whatever you want to cover, we'll go in depth on that. I love it. Well, thank you so much for that generous offer. So Food Heals Nation, stay tuned next week. We will announce how to get that bonus, how to join Spirit Junkie Masterclass. Laura, where can everyone find you online? Yeah, so my website is copythatpops.com as a central hub for everything. And there's great resources at your fingertips there too. Or you can find me on social media at Laptop Laura. All right, copythatpops.com. Thanks so much, Laura. Thank you. You are listening to the Food Hills Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And finally, Susie and I are chatting with spiritual entrepreneur Michelle P.W. Michelle started as a freelance copywriter in 1998 and eventually grew into an internationally known copywriting and marketing company. Over the years, she had the experience of not only going through her own business growing pangs, but also assisting her clients through theirs. That experience is what she drew upon to author her best-selling love-based business book series, along with helping entrepreneurs all over the world grow businesses they love and that love them back. Michelle is the best-selling author of the love-based business series of books that share how to sell more with love and build a solid, profitable business on a foundation of love. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. 
We're so glad to have you. You're a fellow podcast host, a best-selling author like us. You do a lot. So can you just tell Food Heals Nation a little bit about who you are and what you do? What I am really about or what one of my big messages is really just to help people feel all their feelings so they don't let their feelings control their actions. And I do feel like if that all uh, shifts, we would the world would be a much better place. Yes. That's my whole philosophy right now. I've been going through this phase of when I experience pain, whether it's through exercise or whether it's through um, dealing with my emotions, then that's when change happens. So I'm all about it. I love that. <laughs> yeah. When I, I discovered it, the whole love-based philosophy, basically what uh, writing copy is like those long sales letters where you're scrolling down forever going, um, you know, what is, you know, does anybody read all this and where's the buy button and, and, how, and how much is it anyways? It's called direct response. And the reason why it works is because it's really leveraging your marketing and your sales. You can actually market and sales one to many. Well, it sounds very hypey and salesy. And that's because a lot of traditional direct response copy triggers fear. It triggers fear-based emotions. Mm. So what I could, um, the philosophy that got downloaded into me was that you don't have to use fear to sell. You can use love. So that's where it started with love-based copy. And then the further I got into it, the more I realized that every part of our life is in business is really built on a foundation of fear and it doesn't have to be. And so like my latest books is love-based goals because, you know, a lot of our goal, you know, goal setting is based on that. Um, and, you know, I also have love-based money and mindset because again, our relationship with money is all screwed up and twisted up in fear. So that's really what where it's going. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> That's so that's really where this is. So it's really so much bigger than copy, even though copy and marketing was where it started, you know, for me. Yeah. And I love that. And it's so funny because I've definitely been a victim of those sales pages where I've bought out of fear of missing out or something like that. So like, what are some examples of of fear-based copy and then how you would transform it into love-based copy and, and how people who are trying to not even, it could be sell something on the internet, but it could just be like selling yourself as who you are in the world. Oh yeah. That's the thing. Persuasion, you know, we, as humans, we use persuasion all the time. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if we're trying to get somebody to buy something or just try and get your kids to go to bed at a decent bedtime. I mean, that's part of persuasion as well, or get your spouse to take us out to our favorite restaurant. <laughs> so, you know, our lives are full of that. So learning learning how to persuade using love versus fear. I mean, because you, you always have a choice. You can persuade with fear or you can persuade with love. And so really knowing this difference is really important. So shaming is probably, other than fear, shaming is probably one of the biggest triggers that people use unconsciously. And so for instance, if you ever got an email like, well, let's say you were on, the, you were talking to somebody and um, you decided not to do their program. And then you get an email later that says, well, if you're really serious about, you know, losing weight or building your business or writing your book or whatever it is, then you would you would jump on this offer. So clearly you're not very serious. So that's an example of shame. (laughs) I've been in those shoes and you do feel shamed. And I don't like that feeling. (laughs) 
No. And, and so what's happening, it's the same thing that's happening. Like, like the, the relation, like you have a really crappy day and you decide to have a drink, you know, so you've got this whole trigger all day. And then, and then that triggers you to drink because you don't want to feel any emotions. So that's what the same thing, like the selling process is basically bringing up these emotions, these fear-based emotions and the implicit promise in the sales is that if you buy the product or program, the fear-based emotions will go away. That's why there's also so much, uh, virus remorse, because think about what happens after you've had too many drinks. I'm not that I'm sure I'm the only one here who's done that. You guys are the Food Heals podcast. So maybe it's just Michelle, me. Michelle, are, are you drinking and shopping at the same time? <laughs> I don't really. No, but we don't you, know what you mean. We've never drank in, in our lives. Never. <laughs> We're angels. Oh, yeah, I figured as much. You guys are, but, we drink you know. juice. <laughs> and by juice, we mean wine. Yes. So, you know, when you've had a few too many, the next day you wake up and you're so, um, and you, and you regret, you have remorse. See, that's exactly it. That's the same, that's the same buyer's remorse that you get when you buy a product that you really shouldn't because you got sucked into the, tapped into the fear-based emotions. You know, it makes me think of something else. Like when we're in our relationships, how are we interacting when there's a conflict, right? Are we acting in love or fear and with our persuasion? So it's like, I used to get so mad at Dan when we were dating and I would say, I'm going to leave you. And at one point he just sat me down and he said, you can't say that anymore. And I was reacting out of fear and trying to create fear in him that if he didn't do what I wanted, I would leave him. Right. That is not a loving way to approach my relationship. Of course, I know that now and I'm so much better, but my God, I do the same thing. Yeah. Oh, I did that too when I was, I, and, and all the ways that we use fear to control. And the thing is, is that also part of might've been what's even going on is if you were feeling, I mean, it could have been something else that was triggering you, like some other emotion that was coming up. And so you were actually lashing out at him in, in order to relieve the pressure in you. That has definitely been the case as well. <laughs> yes. Um, I, yes, I've had my share of fights with my husband too. So I don't exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what this is. But yeah, that so that's it. So it's creating drama. So really, when you, you know, there's a lot of ways that we use in order to not feel our fear based emotions. So we start arguments, we gossip, we do inappropriate actions, we cause drama. So it's it's there's just so many things. And it's hard to so when you look at it from that many things, what you if all what we did was actually just stopped and felt the emotions, because emotions just want to be want to be felt. I mean, they're, they're emotions. You don't rationalize. You can't argue with them. You can't reason with them. It doesn't matter how silly this emotion is. All you need to do is feel it, and then it moves on. Yeah, and I feel, in my experience, when I feel it and I cry it out, if it's like the relationship some situation, sometimes you just have to leave the room and go be alone and feel your feelings and cry it out in order to have that loving response rather than that, I'm going to leave you response. But it does work because the amount of peace that you feel afterwards, if you truly let that emotion come to the surface instead of pushing it down, it is the most peaceful, beautiful feeling. And then you can get back into your rational head, right? With the love in your heart. Well, the beauty, yes, that's exactly it. And the beautiful thing is, I mean, I've been doing this for a while and I'm not going to say it's easy. It's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. And now what happens, like something happens, you know, you're not triggered as much. And the thing is, is that even if you are triggered, like let's say some, I mean, you're still going to feel anger. You're still going to feel some of these things, but you aren't 
immediately going to lash out. You can actually pause and breathe and think about how you want to respond. So you are responding, you're not reacting. And that's a huge thing because when you allow your emotions to control your actions and your decisions, that's just a recipe for disaster. So from a sales perspective, because I've learned a bit about sales in my my long life. And sales is always like, you know, if you're effective, you present the people, you know, you have a problem and my product, whether it be my book, my lotion, my uh, advice, my service is going to solve your problem. That to me is definitely kind of fear-based. It's saying you're not okay where you're at. And this this ties into what you guys were just talking about with relationships and stuff like that where it's like you need someone else to fulfill something so that you feel better, uh, that your ego feels better about itself. So coming back to um, what we were saying about being in a business perspective, does selling with love work as effectively? Because I know, say you have dental fixing chewing gum and everybody's got dental decay and this chewing gum is going to fix it. Does it work as effectively? Yes. And that's a great question. So yes, I, I found it does. Like one of the things that I realized is that in the last eight years, you know, I've using love-based copy, you know, I've, I've helped sell uh, nearly $50 million worth of products and services for myself and my clients. So it absolutely can work. But that's not to say that fear-based stuff still doesn't work. So I am going to say that right now. And and depending on who your ideal targets are, fear-based might work better. So um, because we're not all there yet and we're not just because, you know, people are where they're at in their different paths. And so some people just respond better to fear. That doesn't mean they wouldn't respond to love. It means they might respond better to fear. It's like a reflection of the vibration that they're feeling about themselves. Exactly. So, but you can still sell, even with people who are in fear, you can still use love to them because quite honestly, what people, okay, so here's a great example. Like you, you, you brought up dental chewing gum and, and it made me think about this. So because I'm this- obsessed with teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so- I'm going to come out with a baking soda <laughs> chewing gum. You watch out. <laughs> Back in, uh, they they were trying to get elementary school kids to brush and floss their teeth more. And so they had, they divided them into three groups. One group, all they said was, um, you know, you should brush and floss your teeth more. Needless to say, they didn't make, they didn't have very much behavior change. The third group, they showed these horrible, awful pictures of dental decay and teeth falling out and bloody gums and just really disgusting, gross pictures. And those those pictures, all the kids went, oh, my God, I'm going to change. I'm going to brush my teeth three times a day, five times a day. But believe it or not, not very many of them stuck to it. The ones in the middle where they were informed about the, the effects but they weren't, um, they didn't see those horrible pictures. Those people had the biggest behavior changes because we shut down a lot of that real massive fear-based stuff. So it actually works better. So here's what, here's the thing is, so it's like, I do think you should use pain in your marketing and here's why, because your ideal prospects are actually really in pain. So Pain is a part of life. As you know, like, uh, you know, there are people who are born and they can't feel physical pain and they tend to not live very long because pain is your body's way of letting you know that there's a problem. It's like an alarm system. And, you know, pain helps us grow emotionally. It helps us grow, you know, um, spiritually. The problem is a lot of fear-based copy. It turns pain into suffering. So it's one thing to acknowledge somebody's pain, because when people are in pain, think about this for yourself. Like when you're in pain, you want somebody to acknowledge that. You don't want to stuff it under the rug or not deal with it or do a spiritual bypassing around it. You want to be acknowledged. 
Right. You want to feel like that they can relate to what you're going through. Exactly. You want to actually hear it reflected back and have it and and have it be acknowledged. But turning it into suffering, making it worse, agitating it, that's the problem. So for me, it's like, that's exactly what they did with the second, they didn't call it that, but that's exactly what they did with the second group was they acknowledged that, you know, here's the problem. And then rather than like twisting the knife and agitating it and doing all the stuff in the third group, like showing them the awful pictures, that's what really made the big difference. So what's the difference between pain and suffering? So suffering happens in your head. And it's usually when your fear-based emotions get involved. And so that, so, and it makes it worse. So any kind of future spinning, like, oh my God, you know, like the you know, the society is going to collapse. It's going to start raining cats and dogs unless you follow me. I mean, that's an example of like future spinning and agitating the pain. So, so, so your those ideal prospects may be worried about society, or like you know, you see this like in financial stuff, like oh, the stock market's going to crash and everything's going to go to hell, and and you know, unless you follow me. So that's an example of of agitating a fear that's already there or getting people angry about it or worried about it. So it's basically, instead of just, you know, it is what it is, you know, like, you know, just acknowledging that, you know, you're in pain right now and here's what your pain is. You just, you twist the knife, you make it worse, that kind of thing. So speaking of the financial industry, how can we create love-based goals for ourselves when it comes to money? And I'm sure you answer all the questions in your podcast. You can tell us about your podcast and really what we can do around money to reshape our beliefs. The podcast is also about a book, Love Based Money and Mindset. And part of why I came, I went to that is because I realized that our mindset is so important. So our come from needs to be of, from love and abundance. And that if we are coming from there, then it's, then, you know, then it's everything else kind of starts to fall into place. And with money, obviously people have a lot of issues about it. And so there's a lot of ways to go about this, but like, some of the common ones are, you know, like rich people are evil and greedy and or, you know, you always heard things like money doesn't grow on trees or you have to work hard for money. So it's this. So we have like this sort of twisted relationship with money where we don't really feel like money can support us or take care of us. And instead, we always feel like there's not enough or, you know, it never shows up. So I, I feel like for, for one great way to start transforming our relationship with money is, well, first to work through some of that. Mm-hmm really think about, you know, like, what are your underlying beliefs around money? Because if you have these underlying beliefs around money, like what I said, like you have to work hard or it doesn't grow on trees or it's never there for you, you know, see what comes up. Yeah. And money does grow on trees, everyone. So money is paper. Liter- literally grows. It literally does. On trees. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so if you grew up with hearing that, and that's one of your misbeliefs, then that's a reframe you can do right now. It does grow on trees. And you, and you don't have to work hard. Working hard was a big one for me. I grew up in Wisconsin in the middle of Midwest. So it's like, you know, oh, you got to work hard for money. And that's a huge one. And you don't have to work hard for money. Money can just flow effortless to you. Money wants to flow. It's just energy. That's all it is. It's just energy. It's just uh, all it is is showing your value in the world. So it's like if you're giving a lot of great value, then you're going to be rewarded with money. I mean, that's all it is. Yeah. And I, I grew up the same way with the hard work mentality um, mixed with an entrepreneurial message. So I really do have two mixed messages in my head that I work on because my dad was an entrepreneur who always taught me build a business, then hire people smarter than you to run it and take the profits off the top. Then at the same time, 
he would say, work hard or it's going to be, do you want fries with that? Like I was going to be working at McDonald's at the drive-thru. <laughs> so I am, I, you know, it worked on me. Uh, it absolutely did because now I'm a hardworking entrepreneur and money does flow to me, but I still get stuck in my head about the abundance uh, aspect of it and that it flows easily and freely to me rather than the harder I work, the more I can get. So I still work on that on myself because of those messages I received as a child. Yeah, it's a hard one. So one of the things that I'm realizing, and I realize this with the goals and, and maybe this, and I offer this too, because maybe it would help you is to get at those underlying feelings. So to me, it's feeling like the worry or the insecurity or whatever is underneath that. If you, a lot of times you can, if you can start to feel that. And the other thing too, um, you could try is forgiveness. One of the things that, that I, I realized with the goals book is the reason why so many people don't actually transform their goals and live their dream life is because they don't see themselves as the person that's living those goals. They always see themselves as like a wannabe, like a wannabe writer or wannabe quit your job and be an entrepreneur. And part of that, when we step into a new identity, we need to um, for not only forgive ourselves, but also grieve the old identity. So it might be like, you know, you're holding on to this with your dad. It might be part of it is that, you know, you love your dad. And so that's kind of tangled up in there too. And so there might be some underlying grief under there too that needs to be felt if you've actually shifted and became the person that, that could attract money easily and effortlessly without a lot of hard work. Yeah, that's so true. And there is still a lot of grief there. And it's one of the things that I work on on my, you know, I won't say daily, I would, uh, my intention is for it to be daily, but on a very regular basis, um, where I am still working on that grief, and it's a healing process. And, you know, another driver of mine happened in my 20s, because when my mother and father both passed away, all of their money was tied up in finances and properties and all of the things that I didn't understand. I'm like 20 years old. I don't know what this, this stuff means, mortgages, and because my dad was in the housing industry and all of this stuff. So that happened right around the huge financial crash. And so I ended up with no parents and oh, no yes. money. And I decided I made a belief, I made a false belief right in that moment that I've identified, which is you better hustle so that you are never broke again, because I was literally at my breaking point, the darkest part of my life where I had no family and no money. And I was like, what am I going to do? So I had to pick myself up and hustle like hell. And I'm still hustling. And it's like, I know that if I slow down, I will experience more abundance. But there's a fear running inside of me that if I slow down, I will go back to that place. And at least I'm aware of it, right. you guys, like I'm working on it. But it's, it's still there just to be straight up honest. It's still yeah. there. It's really, I know it's, it's really difficult. And, you know, the only thing that, <laughs> that I, I feel like I, I should say, and I don't know, but, um, you know, sometimes if the, if you know that you need to slow down, uh, the universe might conspire to have you slow down with, with the two by four if you're not careful. So I just want to invite that invite you to think about that. I know. I know exactly what you're saying. And luckily, <laughs> I've been okay so far, but I hear you loud and clear because I know people that that's happened to. And there was always a deeper meaning and a deeper teaching behind that, that that person would not have stopped in whatever you know direction they were going. Even if it looks like outward success, sometimes we have these these positive projections of people who are outward successes because, oh, they're making a lot of money or they're working really hard or they moved up high in the company or they're this, you know, flourishing person with their health or entrepreneurship, whatever, right? 
but we don't know that they are also um, overeating or overexercising or um, anorexic or actually broke or, you know, something like that. And so it's like looking at people and not comparing yourself and not judging yourself about where you are and being comfortable with where you are at each moment and having gratitude for that moment, as well as doing, you know, the forgiveness work that you had mentioned and the grief, the grieving work that I don't think it's just enough. I agree with you, Ali. I agree with all that. I don't think I was just pondering what we've been talking about. I don't think it's enough just to feel the feelings. It's definitely the first step. Like I've met those people. I mean, I was a psychology major. I've been reading self-help books since I was nine because my mom had them lying around. I'm all about the psychology and feelings and emotions and even body mind connection where your feelings go. If you don't feel them, they go into your body. But I think it's the next step beyond that is to feel them, recognize it, but then also let them go. Oh yeah. Oh, because I often feel like I attach my feet. Like, you know, we say we've, it's even in our language and I didn't come up with this. I've read it many times. It's like, we don't say I feel sad. We say, I am sad. Yes. We don't say I feel happy. We say I am happy. And then we become our feelings when really, if we can make an analogy, we are the sky and the feelings are the clouds that pass through the sky. And sometimes they're gray and sometimes they're puffy and white, but they're just, they're going to come and go. And you're going to have a bazillion more. I used to attach to my feelings. Like I, that is what I am right now. Right. Really, right. it's not. You're the consciousness that those feelings pass through. And I think that's what you're saying, Michelle, right? Is that when we get stuck with them, yes. when we don't feel them and allow them to pass through, that's when they kind yes. of control us. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because if that was unclear, yeah. I mean, I don't want you to be stuck feeling miserable forever. The point of feeling is then you feel them and then you they move through you and then you're done. <laughs> and you're not triggered by well, them Well, I'm just speaking from my own experience and I was an actress as well. It's like, I feel, I use my emotions as a paintbrush or I'm sorry, as a painter would use paints and I would, you know, but I, I didn't let them go. I, I sort of like held on to them and Sometimes they were not so good. You know, I had a depression for a really long time or anxiety, which is, you know, not allowing me to be in my present moment. I had really bad anxiety and worry too. That's how this all started. Cause I had a breakdown kind of, well, kind of a mental meltdown and in 2012 and I started crying one night. I couldn't stop. I had nightmares. It was awful. And I, I was a terrible worrier. And what I really started, what I did was, is I stopped, I found out I was an Enneagram six <laughs> for anybody here who studies the Enneagram. Um, that was actually helpful. Uh, Whoa, because wait, Enneagram, what is that? Oh, Enneagram, so the Enneagram, is a uh, nine level. So everybody is, is one of the, one of the nine and, and each one of those, they, your personality is kind of wrapped around your, your, your biggest flaw, um, and your fatal flaw. And, and, and they're kind of based off of, there's like a spiritual component to it. And they're kind of based off the seven deadly sins plus two. And I'm in the plus two because I'm in the fear. And so uh, Enneagram sixes are the warriors. They're also the uh, conspiracy theorists. <laughs> they're really just, uh, they're very troubled people. <laughs> I can tell from example. You sound fun, Michelle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, so basically what I did was, is um, I was using the worry, like, you know, cause I, I would make myself sick too about the whole thing. I mean, it was really dreadful, the, the whole train wreck in my head. And what I did to break it was I stopped the thought process. Like I would stop thinking the worry, but I would feel, I would breathe into it. Usually it was in my gut and I would breathe into it. And I would just feel the worry. So I would feel it without the thinking, worrying part. And believe it or not, that broke it. 
So I don't really worry anymore. Um, I don't have anxiety. All of that's gone. But you have to feel it. Um, and they say feel it to heal it. I don't like healing it because I don't, I think, feel it to process it or let it move through you because, you're, you know, feelings just want to be felt. Once they're felt, once you've felt and once you're willing to let them go, I didn't think about that. If you're not willing to let them go, then that's a problem, too. But once you felt feel them and you're willing to let them go, they will go. They just want to be felt. That's why they hang around so much. And, you know, I've, I've read that this is very much a Western modern day problem that people that live in indigenous cultures that ha- that are constantly foraging or hunting for food do not have depression and anxiety. They have other issues. They have to constantly worry about where their next meal is coming from or other issues. But I've read that it's definitely a modern day thing, that it's almost like our our biology from evolution has not the same worries. And so it turns into something else. Yeah. Kind of like allergies, because like, you know, indigenous cultures don't have allergies either. We do because our immune system gets bored. And so, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, their babies play literally in dirt. Yeah. And ours are surrounded by antibacterial gels. (laughs) (laughs) And that's worked out really well. (laughs) It's true. If you don't want your kids to have allergies, get a dog and let them play in dirt. Go have them make mud pies. Yes. And and don't care if they eat it. That's fine too. (laughs) Do you know, I have a friend who had her toddler, she's traveled a lot and her toddler started walking when they were on a trip to Egypt and they were literally on like, you know, the banks of a river with camels and he started walking and she turned around, he was eating camel poop. (laughs) And she was like, like all the native men that were guiding them were like, Oh, whatever. And she's like, all right, well, what am I going to do? It's already done. And he was fine. I mean, yeah. consider the grossness factor, but it was fine. <laughs> it certainly wouldn't be the first. No, no. Anyway, sorry, we've strayed to camel poop. I, I, I like it when we stray. Stray. I like our fun conversation. <laughs> um, one of your recent podcast episodes was about like the power of storytelling and how it can actually help you create abundance in your life. Can you talk a little bit about that? One of the things that I look at for stories is sometimes it's just the stories that we make up about things that prevents us from being abundance. And what I mean by that is I see this all the time with entrepreneurs. So they're going to launch something and it doesn't go very well. So then they go into this whole story about how that it, you know, this is the universe telling them that they shouldn't be doing a business or it shouldn't be this way or whatever, or, you know, they should go get a job. And then they act upon it when it, that wasn't the case at all. So I think that that's, I think in in a lot of cases, and again, that kind of gets into the emotions part, you know, we create these stories around our emotions that are just simply not true. And and then we ascribe to it from some higher power or something, and it's just completely leading us down the wrong path when really the reality is, you know, the answer is, is something completely different. So Michelle, how can people learn more about what you're doing and join you or attend any events you may have? So uh, my love-based biz blog is a great place to start because I, I mean, I am trying to go into, I've got a lot of business and entrepreneurial stuff there, but I do talk about the money and the goals and because I, I really want people to be living love-based lives. So it's more than just business. Right. Um, obviously, if you're a business, then you'll, you'll see lots of things on there. But lovebasebiz.com. And then um, I've got five books, like the last, you know, love-based goals, love-based money and mindset, uh, love-based copy, love-based online marketing. And that can really help 
And yeah, actually, even the, the love-based copy ones are good if you really want to learn more about this persuasion and do it from a place of love versus a place of fear, because we all have a choice. And you can certainly choose fear if you want, but if you want to choose love, then this that might help you actually move into that place of love. Don't you think that a lot of this helps many aspects of life? Not, I, mean, I know that you're concerned about like it being just too specific for entrepreneurs, but I'm just thinking of how, okay, so from my experience in my own life, I used to hate the thought of doing sales, even though in every job I've kind of ever done, whether that be waiting tables, um, teaching swimming lessons, acting, writing, voice, like everything I've ever done, you always have to, at least once, if it's just a a job, you at least have to once sell yourself to get the job, right? To promote yourself, to, to land it or ongoing. I mean, some jobs are very specific in sales, but even then, like, even if you're just doing negotiations or you have to, even if you're, just, if, if you're dealing with people, <laughs> yeah. you are, you are in sales, even, or even if you're just talking about relationships, love, friendship, family, what have you like to navigate you know, human relationships. You kind of, if you're always wanting to come from that loving perspective, you're always persuading people to be on your side. I mean, maybe not always, but I feel like it is appropriate for kind of all aspects of life. <laughs> And I agree with you because you're right. If you're like on a team, I mean, think about it. You need to, you know, you might have to persuade somebody to, you know, that you want to do something a certain way in a corporate team or that, or, or somebody else to take on a, a piece of project that you don't want to do. Or I mean, even if you want to negotiate a lower price on something that your company's exactly. buying or, you know, services or, you know, persu- persuasion, maybe it's not sales, but it's definitely persuasion, it's which persuasion. are pretty damn similar. Yeah. And I, it, it persuades, and it's even like getting your kids to go to bed at their bedtime. Yeah. I mean, really it's, it's everything, every part of our life, you know, there's persuasion happening. And so, and you, and so you always have the choice from, you can persuade from fear or persuade from love. So you always have that choice. So how do we get our kids to bed with love and not, if you don't do this right now, I swear I will, whatever. <laughs> I've heard parents call it negotiating with terrorists. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not a parenting expert, but, you know, some of the things that I've seen is more along the lines of, oh, you know, like, OK, so, you know, we, you know, we'll give you three hugs and then you've got to go to bed <laughs> or, or read two books. So it is a more negotiating. I've seen both perspectives. I've literally seen my friends on one perspective yelling, be like, go to bed. And I've seen the other ones together, the mother and the father pleading with them at the foot of the bed going, we love you. We don't know what else you want. Please go to sleep. I don't know. It's complicated. It's complicated to be human. <laughs> It is. So I think I think it's important to remember that wherever you're coming, if you're if you're really trying to come from a space of love, so that that right there, just just that you're trying is also is very helpful. You might not always get there, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you guys that this really does apply to all areas of life. Um, I I recently met someone when I was traveling, um, and he was his personality was so loving that all he did was compliment people. And I remember thinking, wow, this guy thinks a lot of me and he just met me. And then I saw him doing it to other people repeatedly. And it's not, he wasn't trying to persuade anyone to like him or be his friend, but he was just the most likable guy in the room at this conference because he was so loving and complimentary and just had that presence. And he made people feel good about themselves. And again, there was nothing to sell, but I remember thinking, I wish I was more like that. And there's no reason that I can't be you know, giving positive feedback, giving loving compliments whenever you feel compelled. And maybe you don't even feel compelled, but you just start thinking like, 
how can I show up this way every day? And as you give love, you receive love. As you give love, you realize, you feel the love that's already within you, right? Talking about love. And so I just thought it was, you know, I just thought it was a beautiful way of being. And I, and, you know, he was older, like, you know, he could be someone's dad or someone's grandpa almost. And I was just thinking like, I hope I'm that great when I grow up. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I think that that's, I think we just really have a choice of how we want to show up. And I think that's really what I, cause I'm not going to say that love base is the only way because that's not very love based. Uh, you know, we, we need to, you know, love is about that's choice. Fear based. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> telling people there's only love or fear. <laughs> yeah. You've got to do it this way. That's like a church um, that doesn't accept gay people because they say their way is the only way, but they're professing that they are all about love. But at the same time, they don't accept a certain kind of love. And that exactly. is outrageous to me, but that's how it is some places. Yes, I, exactly. So you, so part of being love-based is you have to give people a choice. So to me, I feel like my, my role in all this is to educate and then step back and let people make their own decisions and their own choices as to what they, how they want to do and how they want to show up. And also leading by example is, can be very helpful too. Yes, that's such a good point. It's like, do what I say, not as I do, but really... They're going to do what you do, whether it's kids, whether it's people that look up to you. And if you're in a managerial position or if it's, you know, your children or something like that, people do what you do because that's the example you're setting, right? And so we have to, we have to practice what we preach. And Susie and I do this podcast and I'm like, okay, I got to practice what I preach. We just talked about meditation for an hour. So I can't go eat a bunch of garbage food and drink wine right now. Okay. Maybe I'll drink wine and meditate, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) But instead, Jesus drank wine. Jesus drank wine. No, honestly, there have been times when I've been like, okay, I'm really stressed out and I set an intention to meditate. And then the only thing that I do is sit there and worry about whatever's going on. And so I'm unable to get there. And I literally go grab a glass of red wine, put on my music and I get there. So I really have no problem with the wine. So unless you're an alcoholic, I give you permission. Anyways, I know we're straying again, but that's my little diatribe of the night. We have to practice what we preach and and be the love that we seek in the world and be the love that we profess to be, right? Exactly. No, I totally agree with you. And and that's that's part of and you know, something else that you said about the the old the the man, the older man that made everyone feel good. I mean, it's like people remember who was it that said it? People will remember how you made them feel, not what you did. Yeah. And I think that's important to remember too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's what he did. He just made you feel like you were a million. You're in his presence. And all he did was compliment people like on some were like deep compliments and some were just like light and silly. Like it would be you are he was like, you are just so competent. And I'm just so impressed by you. And I was like, Oh, my God, like, wow. And then he would just be like, the next morning, he'd be like, that is just your color. And I just love the shirt and your eyes just look bright. And I'd be like, you're the nicest person ever. And he wasn't hitting on anyone. That's the other thing. No one felt like uncomfortable. Like this dude, did it feel really fake or did it feel genuine? No, it felt genuine because he was genuine. Now, if some salesy sleazy person was doing that, you would feel it right away. You can smell that from yeah. a mile away. So if yeah. you're if you're listening and you're thinking like, I want to implement this in my life, you have to like feel it. You can't just fake it. I mean, we see that everyone, you've seen that everyone's seen that. I hate being sold to when I know that someone's trying to like close me, I get so uncomfortable in my stomach. Cause, and I don't want to like start arguing with them because they are trained to have a counter argument and overcome your objection. So I hate being sold to, cause I know that no matter what I say, I'm not trained in sales. Like they've got something better to make me feel stupid for my objection. So I hate sales. And like when you were talking about earlier, that's one of the hardest things about having your own business is like, I don't sell, I don't close. 
if a client wants to work with me, I tell them what I do. And I don't try to manipulate them, which is the way I see sales. But if I learned a love-based system like Michelle teaches, then I would probably feel a lot more comfortable and probably have more money and more clients. But that's a whole nother story. Um, but I have all the clients I need. I'm not looking for more clients. We're good. But I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, I love the idea of approaching all of this, your life, your relationships, and your business with love. Yes. Amen to that. And do you have a last tip that you want to leave with us? So one last tip, because I want, I really want to just let everybody know is that, you know, wherever you are, it's perfect. You know, don't compare, you know, it's, you are exactly where you're supposed to be right now. And quite honestly, you know, my own journey sometimes what you, I mean, you just, you have to master it, you know, you have to master the shadows and sometimes that's just part of it. And when I think back to, you know, where I started and where I am now, I mean, it's, I'm just, it's, it's really like two different people. So be patient with yourself. If you um, love this and want to, and want to embrace a love-based philosophy, and then you find yourself screaming at your kids to go to bed <laughs> uh, and, and saying like, you know, if you don't go to bed right now, the monsters are going to get you. Um, that you know, does it's okay. work. Fear based does work. That's the thing. It always does. That worked on me when I was little. I know. So, but um, don't beat yourself up. Pick yourself back up. Dust yourself off and try again. I mean, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. You you are allowed to make mistakes, and you know you are allowed to not be perfect. And it is. And at the end of the day, it will all work out. So yes, and come see me on the Love Based Biz blog, lovebasedbiz.com, and uh, you can find me on Facebook and all that other stuff. Um, my podcast there, Love Based Money, is on the blog and my books are on Amazon, Barnes & Noble and all sorts of places. Oh, and I write fiction too. So if you want a psychological mystery thriller, psychological thriller mystery, you know, pick up one of those too. Amazing. Well, thank you, Michelle, so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I had a, I had a lot of fun. Thank you, Michelle. Well, thank you. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat in this dress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately.